Hello and welcome, kia ora, to episode 92 of the Stag Raw. This episode, I sit down with Chris Wilson from The Unshakable Man. Uh, Chris contacted me and he's impressed with what we were doing in the space of masculinity, I guess. It's a bit of a loaded term and nobody really knows what it means, but uh, what Chris and his partner are doing with The Unshakable Man is trying to address really what is masculinity where does it stand in the 21st century? Obviously, there's a lot of pushback going on with uh, patriarchy, I guess, and things along those lines. Um, it's a bit of a social shitstorm out there at the moment. You can't say certain things, and who would know what to do? So, you know, Jack Man is trying to find that place, find a comfortable place for men to be men and to be better men. Um, they have a really good relationship with one of the inspirations for this podcast, Everyman. Um, and if you want a little bit of a context around Everyman and who Lucas is, um, go back and listen to the episode with Lucas Crump. It's titled Everyman. So, yeah, it should be pretty easy to find. Um, and, yeah, we uh, we go places in this episode. It's pretty powerful, pretty cool. Hope you enjoy it. Love to hear your feedback. It's been great talking to many of you that are enjoying the podcast Awesome seeing people sharing the podcast, and it means a massive amount because it means that uh, I guess the worthwhile part is getting to have awesome conversations with people, but it makes it even more worthwhile that you're getting something out of it. And, and um, yeah, it's cool to to make a difference for some people, and that's one of my whys is improving people's lives. So it's cool to that these chats can help other people, which is which is wicked. If you're a consistent listener on iTunes, and my um, anchor FM tells me that it's about 60% of you, uh, if you could leave us a review and a rating, that would help the podcast out immensely. Um, We've got hours and hours of of this stuff, and so, you know, that little five minutes to just give us a few stars and and what you think just makes all the difference. And um, you can also leave us a review on all your other podcast apps for the other 39% 39% or so. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Let's get into this. It's an awesome episode. And uh, yeah, Chris Wilson from The Unshakable Man. Kia ora, everybody. I'm sitting here with Chris from Unshakable Man. And um, this is something, I think, with this full moon this week, probably got a little time stamp on when we were recording it. Something I need. Uh, Unshakable Man, Chris, why do we need Unshakable Man? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think we need it for the same reason that we need every man. And that's for, to, uh, to allow, to, to create a space where, where men can, uh, get a better connection with themselves. Right. And, uh, and, and learn how to find that their own way, right. Without, uh, attaching themselves necessarily to ideologies or, 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 different groups of people or, or uh, this isn't about politics or, or, or what group you hang out with. It's, it's all about a, a set of practices starting with your breath to just relax and open and connect. And uh, in that moment to just get a, build a better relationship or to build a relationship with myself and, and the emotions that are coming at me and notice that I didn't say my emotions because I think as I've, the more that I've, I've done this work, the more that I've realized and come to accept the fact that uh, emotions are things that are, 
are just automatic responses in my environment and that I don't even know if I, if I want to take ownership of those uh, until I choose to, right? And that place feeling words on top of them. But, um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's why. <laughs> you just brought up, brought up something. Um, my boss, well, one of my bosses, uh, the, the uh, I guess you'd call it most experienced version of, of my bosses. I've got three. Um, it, you got three bosses. Yeah, so it's, it's an optometry practice. So they're, they're, direct, they're directors and I'm, okay. I'm the brand new leggy. But, uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, one of the things he's sort of said, because obviously being an optometrist, you're dealing with often sensitive information, um, it becomes a full holistic approach to somebody and often you might be saying things that they don't want to hear or, and then um, we have a product that people expect an outcome for and, and, and sometimes that doesn't meet their expectations and of course then the person gets upset. And, and he, he often said that you might yourself find yourself feeling angry or challenged or upset, but it might not be anything to do with, the, the patient or or the person that you're interacting with. And I think you just touched on it there. The way you emote might not necessarily be actually to do with the situation you're in or the environment you're in, but a lot of baggage. And, and, and that's exactly oh, what it, Oh, you mean, the, you, so what you're saying is the, the way that the, the, the patient is emoting might not have to do with you or that specific. And, and, and then your response as well might not have to uh-huh. do them mm. and it might might have to do with a lot of hangovers that you got at the moment it's like i said this this week whether it's this full moon or not i i, I don't know but i've got yeah. a lot hanging over me um we've got a, a house under contract which happened this week um, oh. a daughter who's not sleeping and going through a leap which means that she sort of is ultra processing everything so it's clinging and doesn't want to sleep but oh yeah it's, it's how old is your daughter so she is nearly 18 months, yeah. So yeah, and uh, she woke up just about, about 5 a.m. this morning and my partner was like, oh, the 18 months sleep regression. I'm just like, no. <laughs> oh, man. So you've been up for two hours already. Yeah, no, no, just the one, just the one. Yeah. Okay. But if you could talk, talk to not, not labeling that emotion because, like I said, it, it might not even be you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I think uh, I mean one of my favorite doodles or one of the doodles that have that I've I like to doodle out notes whenever I learn something to help myself learn it to really understand it and uh, and one of them is is just this diagram of of emotion feeling thought mood and and then in after mood there's attitude uh, or judgment and then story and it's like and it just is my way of visualizing the fact that my my feelings are my labels that i am putting on an emotional response that i'm noticing uh, and i can get that wrong right like i can not not wrong in the sense of comparison to someone else because i no one can tell you what you're feeling and that is literally no one can tell you what you're feeling like there's no study there's no scanner out there uh there's there's no researcher uh currently research currently available that will tell you hey you're feeling angry uh and and i think that that's such an interesting it's just such a neat thing to become aware of that you really are the the best researcher of your emotions as long as you are practiced right and trained 
And, uh, and that for someone like me, who's really into self-directed learning, uh, that there's a, there's a really strong base there. And so to bring it back to the unshakable man stuff and every man, like, I feel like that's what we're, that's what we're practicing and teaching when we sit in these circles or we meet with other men is those tools. So unpack that because um, I just was flicking through Unshakable Man and, and of course we've had Lucas on this podcast from Every Man. Um, yeah. Why should men not be scared to go meet up with a bunch of dudes and not just talk about the weather and sports? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that they should be uh, and that it's okay to be scared and that's completely normal. Uh, it, you're doing something that's abnormal to you. So, uh, and I think that the best, uh, I, I don't, my best tip, uh, rather than saying advice would be to just in, at least in our, in our environments is to open up about that because you are new to something. And if you, enter one of our circles or you come to a men's group with every man, um, you're, if you are nervous and you are feeling anxious, you are in the place to be able to feel that on your body. And when you check in to say, wow, my, my shoulders are tingling, uh, my armpits are sweating, my hands are clammy, and my feet want to pick up and walk me out of this room right now. And in that moment, you're, you're, you are practicing, you're doing what, what the, the whole purpose of that gathering is, is there to teach is how to become emotionally aware. Right. And, and once you, and then when you, in the moment that you release that and you acknowledge that for most people that it immediately reduces that anxiety and it becomes connected feeling. Right. And you get like, Oh, I can do, I can do this. Uh, this is no longer feeling weird. Right. Yeah, and I, and I suppose it's it's a muscle with and that check and, and I'm glad you brought that up. It's sort of the first step of, you know, it's it's the warm up to flex to flexing that emotional awareness muscle. It's you know, as you said, taking a moment, um, feeling where you are. And only you said something just before, and the arms crossed, and I was like, oh, oh, that, yes, that's, that's not to use this slanted word triggered but that's that's doing yeah. something it's doing something to me oh yeah, yeah, yeah and i was even thinking about going to have this conversation because as i said i talked to lucas and it was the same like as as a man as a, as a new zealand man as, a, as someone from the deep south with all these narratives around southern hard man sort of stuff it's so foreign to then try and have a conversation and and i've, I've talked about it a few times with the vocabulary is just not there. And I think that's something that's really awesome yeah. to start practicing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, I, I mean, that's, you said conversation, right? And I think the more that I've practiced this work and the more that, uh, the longer that I've been in, in like my men's group here in San Francisco that I'm in, uh, we don't, we don't converse about our emotions. We're, we're checking in on them and we're sharing them. We're, we're sharing our, our own inquiry of our story or, or whatever we're bringing in in that check-in. Uh, have you been to an everyman group or any, anything like that yet? No, no. I no. noticed you when you were with the Lucas on, on Lucas, as you said, you were going to check out a circle a men's group in your area. Yeah. It, it, um, on some, <laughs> it's a funny story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
on a deeper dive, where I was in Australia, there appears to be a cult. Um, mm. Mm. And that was, okay. a, that was a little entrance level gathering. Of, All right. It was an interest. It was an interest session. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, the uh, at, you should. Uh, I, I tip number two. Definitely, if you feel that that is what you're getting into, then uh, back up. But in the, in the in the men's groups that we have, I, I it's it really is an uh, it's. I like how you maybe uh, in your in your terms it's it's a bunch of blokes. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, if that's it just means friend or bro, but for for me these are got these are men that are in my commute path. Right, they li- they probably shop at similar grocery stores. They we go to the same bars. Uh, we likely go to similar parties. And I don't mean to say that we're all the alike, but more like because we're meeting every week there's this restricted thing to like, you You have to be able to show up at the meeting every week. And because of that, you live around each other, but we never, we don't become tertiary or high level friends, right? Like I, I, we laugh sometimes about how like, I don't actually know what sports you like. Uh, where do you enjoy to go drink? Like uh, uh, what, what are you doing on the weekend? Because when you come, when we come in to do a check-in, uh, one, there's like eight to 10 of us in the group at a time and, and it's six o'clock at night and you have to, we, we say initial hellos and stuff and eat some snacks and get some water, but then you're checking in and when you're checking in, you're not talking and conversing and there's not dialogue or planning or strategy around what you're sharing. And if there is, we even ask guys, we like tell guys to, Hey, Hey, cool. It just, you can get into that after the meeting. Like the point of being there is to, uh, do self inquiry and to share that out loud. And when you can, and, and every guy in the room, every man in the room gets to hear six to eight examples, right. Of other people checking in and it increases your emotional vocabulary. Uh, it, it makes it easier to feel the emotions on your body. Like I had noticeable shift in over the past year of granularly being able to feel like anger around my eyes. If I, when I, if, if a loved one got me viscerally angry, like old fat, old angry from when I was a kid or something, when I went home, I could tell that, Oh wow, I've got some tension right there. And it's really cool. It's just physical practice. Cool. And so, I've heard Dan Doty, of course, the person who runs the podcast for Everyman, talk about that somatic um, mm-hmm. realization of of where where things go. And I even had a lady yesterday um, who was was under some health issues. I said about that somatic response to stress is to bring yourself forward and close off. And I know when when things mm. are, things are tight because the hips start to go. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll stretch up right now. <laughs> Pull my shoulders back. <laughs> shoulders, back. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, that, that, that full body awareness and, and thinking about, you know, your, your toes to the top of your head and where things are. And like I said, I, I don't know, something you said before, crossed my arms straight away. Um, yeah. How, how does that fit into a session? Uh, how does it fit into a session? So, 
I mean, one of the things I think is really cool about is maybe just walking through what happens in a men's group, uh, yeah. right? Because this isn't, it isn't just a bunch of guys. There, there's a facilitation to it in order to have it not be the real world, right? And we're, and, and this, I like to think of it as invisible scaffolding uh, and it's social and emotional invisible scaffolding that helps you kind of, uh, that helps you navigate a new form of language with your body and your, and your mind. And so when you, when you, when you come in, we, we have our initial hello and everything. And then, and then we all sit down in the circle. And, and when we sit in the circle, we make sure everyone can see everybody's eyes. And when you do that, everybody can, everyone forms a circle automatically. So no one is sitting back too far, too forward to where someone can't see everyone. And then we usually take three deep breaths together and immediately the group is just locked in. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a business round, just like, hey, anything, any changes coming up or anything. And then, and then just a, a, a quick uh, five or 10 minute meditation, uh, which for some people is a lot right? Like some, some people that you're not meditating regularly. And for me, the meditation is that 10 minute meditation has become a pillar of my meditation habit that has allowed me to have longer meditations on the weekend. And it's, it's cool. It's just another way to have meditation in my life. And then when you open your eyes, you do a quick check-in, just physical. Uh, how is my body feeling? Then emotionally, just try to take a stab at like what emotions are coming up. Uh, and give it some feeling words, and then uh, and then we do another round, and that next round is about eight minutes. And in that round, your idea, the the the, the goal is to is to tell a story, to check in on the story of these emotions that you're putting around these emotions in your head, and when you speak, is to give the context, to just get to the root of whatever it is that you are go as as specific and as meaningful as possible to just, right? Like if, if I was in my head and I was having an argument with, um, you know, a, a, a disagreement with someone at work uh, and we're just locked, uh, instead of giving the how and why and how it came to be, I would do that in my head. And then all, and then when I got to that point, I'd just say, I am, I am having a, an argument at work and it's making me, furious right and and i and then i would just try to feel that emotion and and when we remove that story uh it allows us to tap into that feeling and to express it again and bring it up with memory and then all the guys in the room get to if they're if they're in that with you uh if they can drop in and 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 like their breathing is similar to yours and everything you really can get this feeling of uh uh like picking it up off another man, right? And, and you get to go there. And, and when someone checks in on something that is unsolvable, I think that's where I really, that's when it really took off for me of the power of what we're doing is if somebody brings something in their life that is uh, just so like not a job loss or something like that, but like a death in the family or, uh, or past trauma that no one is going to be able to make them better, right? No one's going to be able to pat them on the back and say it, it'll be better. That's actually the best part because we're not there to make you feel better. And then you realize that in that moment, that is true empathy, being able to sit with someone, experience the 
the visceral emotion of, of just longing or pain and to just in a moment of silence, maybe two or three minutes, you're just sitting there holding that. And I think that's what we call creating a container of safety. Uh, and, and then when you remove out of that, you pull out of that, it, their check-ins over and you get another one, right? And then, then someone else comes, comes in to do a check-in and theirs could be joy, right? And, and all of a sudden you got these two examples of a, a far reaching examples of the emotional spectrum. And, uh, and, you know, you don't, you don't even know what that guy did today for work, right? Like at this point in the night, like you haven't checked in on any, anything that might have actually been bothering you on your way in. And that's one of the things that, so now I'm, I'm going longer here, but, but after that's all done, we do a checkout at the end, similar to this check-in in the beginning, just 15, 30 seconds to leave behind whatever you brought up uh, and to just let it go. And the whole thing when on my, my lift ride home, every time I, I'm on my way home, I'm, I'm always just amazed by the, how, uh, I feel like I had a mental massage and, uh, and my things that were bothering me that I thought were important at five o'clock have seemed to just melt into the background. And, uh, and I get home and my fiance is usually having a cheese quesadilla or something on the, on the, on the sofa and hanging out and I get to walk in and just be with her. And, and, uh, and I realize, Oh, I, I don't have to complain about um, this thing that happened at work. And I can, I can just ask her how she's doing and, and be with her. And it's great. Cool. I, th- I think uh, you brought up a thing that we, we don't have to fix and that that might be something that's um, a nature of men, apparently. Uh-huh. If, if you go into things like uh, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, yeah. or, or I think the other version of that's why women can't read maps and men always lose their socks or something like that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what what what's what's it like uh, when you hear something? Initially, when you first started, how hard was it to go? No, I don't. I don't need to give my two cents or fix or or give an offer or twist this or, or whatever. How how quickly does that go away? <laughs> uh, it. Uh, I don't know if it ever goes away. The the reaction. I think the. Uh, I think the group gets stronger. That's one of the things I've noticed. Is um, if you get there, there's just, it's just like a sports team, right? Like if you're, if you are, uh, if you introduce a new, a new, a new player uh, to a team on the front line of uh, football, right? Like soccer, your, your football and, uh, and, or rugby. And then they, uh, and they haven't practiced with the team before they, they're just, they, they're like a square peg in a round hole, right? Like there's just all this, they haven't meshed in yet. And, and I think, so there's also my learning, right? But then there's the learning of the group because you're also there to practice taking a man deeper and learning how to ask questions that, uh, that take him out of his mind and into his body. And, uh, and it's, it's been, it's really cool because I think, I got a lot of practice in this type of questioning in software sales. And I was, I was in the past, I was, uh, I, I went, I was in software sales and then in sales, you, 
especially enterprise sales, you're learning to ask questions that are are shaping a deal or, or shaping someone's goals and plans and challenges in their mind. And this is kind of the opposite of that, but open-ended questions the same. So you're not, you're not asking, oh, why did that happen? Can you tell me more information so I understand? You're, you're trying, you actually don't really want to understand the problem as much as feel the context of the situation. And so uh, it is hard, uh, but it's a practice. And so if somebody asks a question like, uh, what, do you, what do you think you should have done? And then the guy's eyes kind of go up and to the left, like he's searching for an idea. Someone else in the room can just say, or that, or the person that was the question was asked to can just say, you know what, that wasn't a that wasn't a good question. I'm going to come back to this feeling. And so you get to make mistakes, right? Like, and I, I push guys to ask questions and make mistakes because that's the only way you learn. Mm. Going back to your your favorite doodle, uh, which yeah. I think is a really awesome embellishment on thoughts, create feelings, create behaviors, Mm -hmm. Um, which like you said, knowing that is so powerful. Um, I sort of learned that through sports, sports psychology, because I was, Mm -hmm. I was the worst reactor on the field. Um, Mm. I, I don't know what it is. I think I have something around fairness or something. And so when I, when I feel like it's unfair, which, in a, in a sport game when you're being refereed can often be the case. Oh yeah. Um, I, I would go off, off my rock <laughs> and um, especially when I was, when I was younger playing football, I, I, I got lots of yellow cards for, for being mouthy. Mm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> one of the greatest things was actually being able to captain the team and, and manage the situation, which I don't know, was, was sort of helpful. And, and uh, I think having then not been the captain, I was better at it, but, yeah, it was also the same time that I learned what what you think affects how you feel and then influences your behaviour. And the key to that is what you what you think you can actually swap. And mm-hmm. I then have also spoken about how, and that's what I sort of had coming into this interview. I was anxious about this interview because, like you said, you go into talking about feelings in the night, like oh, this is this is so foreign. But then <laughs> I also know that. That same anxious feeling is excitement, and that's also what I've been uh-huh. trying, trying, trying to think. Like I said about the, the sale of this house, it's anxious about oh, what if things go wrong, but it's also exciting that hey, this is yeah. a new chapter. Um, you know, where, where did you sort of find that that little tool that can be so uh, illuminating to, to what's going on in your life? Mm. I mean, I'm uh, very similar to you. I I grew up as uh, uh, young uh, in New England, where I grew up, outside of Boston on Cape Cod, uh, yeah. it's a very uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a very I- Irish Catholic, very uh, also Protestant upbringing, like uh, hard work, work hard, uh, like uh, family business, uh, blue collar. I grew up in a in a in a uh, in a bed and breakfast where oh, wow. in, a, in a restaurant with my father working at. 24 seven and, and he still runs it and still works you know, all the time. And, and, uh, and it's like a family farm. And it's interesting that that's where my mind goes when you ask that question, because I think I, uh, I raced bikes at the, the national team level and, and I was, I shaped my world around my goals mm-hmm. and I shaped, uh, in a similar way to the way, 
uh, I notice with clients a lot that they, they shape their life around their problems, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I ask somebody, uh, and we, we do this, right? Because the, the problem is the thing that is affecting our survival, right? And when we shape when we look at that, our, our eyes are on the front of our head, like a predator, right? Like we look at it, we lean into it, or you zero into it. And then all of a sudden, like that is where our energy and our awareness is going. But I think when you, uh, that's what's similar to what's happening with you when you describe some anxiety before uh, a meeting or something. But I think your concept, your self-concept of those emotions, if you can step back one step back and say, oh, my, I am, I'm experiencing this, this anxiety, but this anxiety is also excitement, mm-hmm. right? And then you can shift that and divert it into not thinking about yourself, but thinking about why you're excited to talk with this person. The same body reaction is happening, but you're labeling it with a different feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden your mental concept of it has changed. And, and so I learned that, I learned that in cycling, but I don't think that Maybe, and this is something I've often wondered is like, does it just take, do you just have to be 30 years old or do you have to go through, (laughs) right? Do you just have to get like three iterations? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and a part of me thinks you do, like you need, not that you're, not that the age, but that you need three levels of iteration in your life in order to have your concept of self develop because you're, I needed to to shape my life around my my goals and to do that in order to learn that my whole life wasn't my relationship with my goals. Similar to my whole life isn't my relationship with my problems. And then and then uh so you you ask like when did I start doing this but like public speaking and sales teaching sales like a huge part of teaching public speaking and teaching sales people to present is is learning to handle your emotions, right? And learning to uh, to uh, mimic and to drop in with the people to match the energy and the vibe of the room when you're in a sales meeting. And like these are, um, and or to modulate your speech to get more attention and stuff. And so all of these things were related to that. Uh, but I, I, it's definitely shifted in the past. Uh, it's gotten to a nice plateau of of. Um, self-assuredness like uh, I guess I would say where I'm not attaching it to my job or or my work my external definitions of, of what I used to what used to be important to me anymore so I think, I think that's quite cool what you said yeah. about men's group is that um, actually you guys don't know that Awful question when when you approach somebody is you know what do you do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, human, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I really don't. And I, I, I just started a project where I've been interviewing the guys from the men's group, and I realized in interviewing them that I didn't know what they did for work a lot of the times. I knew, I knew some of them, but just not as important as uh how's your mind how's your heart right and and now that doesn't even seem funny to me anymore to ask to want to know like how's your heart doing and uh yeah it's cool it's a good feeling yeah and that's why i guess uh, for uh, you know for the majority of 
of my episodes, I've started with what did you do on the weekend? And, and, and the thing I behind, noticed that, yeah, mm-hmm. the thing behind that is, especially if, if you're a, a, you know, a Monday to Friday person, often the weekends where your passion lies and, and, and yeah. I think it was like episode 17 or something. Um, Sepatuyaso said that the, the biggest thing that he had, he was trying to get into um, UC Berkeley and, and the water polo coach asked him, not, you know, what, why do you want to play, you know, go back to that assigning things to your goals. Um, you know, not why do you want to get to UC Berkeley, you know, what do you want to study or, you know, why do you want to play water polo for us? It was, what are you passionate about? And Sep was just like, whoa, he was just blown, blown away. And yeah. One of those moments in life, and, and again, hearing that from him and asking it to, you know, I work with um, a few few kids and, you know, trying to tease out of them, what are you passionate about? And, and even if they're not passionate about anything right now, hopefully that question sparks a seed in them that, what am I passionate? What is, what does passion even mean? What does it even look like? Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's totally, it, it, I, I think that that's, uh, what you asked earlier, why, where did that come from? I think that's one of the things that sports gets to teach you about about life is is that uh at, as long as i guess your parents aren't forcing you to go is is having a sense of purpose and uh and and being able to uh uh inflict yourself on this goal and and go after this thing and then that that type of uh drive and energy and focus is is applicable to life right and you learn and i mean at least for me i learned a lot about my relationship with my goals and how I was feeling about them by being in sports and then being in software sales where I was, I mean, everything, I was incentivized to hit sales goals. I was incentivized to, to ramp up by the end of the quarter and the stress would go up and then you'd hit your goal and then you go, ah, like, yeah. And then you celebrate again, just like a race. And then it's all over again. And, and I think now it's not that that is bad or good. It just is. And when I introduce that into my life, I want to be aware of it. And in a similar way to when I wasn't working, when it wasn't paying my bills and, uh, and, and just because that, that ramp, right? Like that emotional bell curve of, of going after a goal is, is your life. That's you're choosing to experience your life this way. And, and so I, I'm very, I'm pretty mindful of that. And uh, I want it, but I don't want it to be to control me. Mm. What what type of uh, cycling were you doing? Uh, bike road cycling. Yeah, yeah. So I did. I started in triathlons in high school, and uh, did over fifty triathlons in high school, and 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 uh, was big time into swimming, and and then uh, and then when I left at eighteen, I did one year of military school at Norwich university and I didn't have time to do running, swimming and biking. And they, they made me pick one. And, uh, and I, I picked cycling and they, I lost a lot of weight as my freshman year cause they, and got faster at cycling. So then left college to race bikes for three years. So, nice. uh, yeah. So you probably took the opposite path of most uh, freshman university students losing weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely did. I definitely did. I uh, I lost like thirty pounds. So it was, uh, <laughs> you know, different eating habits than high school yeah. eighteen year old. And and so, um, what what was your sort of specialty on on the road? Uh, pursuit 
I would say, I mean, it, it, like the last final, I was never really a, a great finisher. I was never super skinny or super, super strong. I think I was a good all arounder. Uh, but I, my favorite thing in cycling was supporting the team. I think it, uh, a lot of people in the U.S. don't realize that cycling is a team sport, and that uh, you have you go into it into a race. At least when you're at uh, a higher level, you go into the race knowing who you want to have in the front of the pack at the end, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's guys that are there to support those guys and get them food and water bottles and pr- protect them. And I loved that job. Like that was. I just loved I, it, the whole, my finish line was always 20 minutes before the finish of the actual race. Cause I could, I just wanted to get them there. And, and, uh, if I finished the race, that's great, but I wanted to get them to that position. And that was super fun to me. So. And is it pursuit is that like someone goes and makes a break, your job is to bring or go get them and bring the team back, back to the breaker. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. That or like bridge a gap or to, or just uh, like maintain a a high tempo for a long period of time and just keep the pace of the race high and and tough. Uh, But then there's those guys that are truly talented who can sit right in behind you and, and you're giving your greatest effort and they're just, you know, they're, they haven't, they have just another gear. Right. And I, I was, I don't think I was ever that guy. Right, uh, talented enough to be the finisher who can who can stick at eighty percent for three hours and then find like another another engine in their body somehow to go faster. So it was, uh, but that's what I enjoyed doing. And it's funny because I, I I feel like I do that in my life now. Uh, I I always and I really enjoy uh, being a part of a team and and being the the connector uh, or the person that helps a. Uh, other people be better versions of whatever it is that they do. I do that a lot with my business partner, Mike Sagoon, who hopefully you'll get to talk with at some time. And, uh, and I, I feel the same way in these men's groups where like when we are sitting in the circle, it's, you're not leading by being in front. You're, you're leading by setting an example and, and just connecting all the guys together. So. Yeah. I think I I love about um, endurance sports uh, and, my my another turning point in my life is going to the end with, with swimming, um, and then still having to finish the set, which was horrible. It was it was I think it was four four hundreds or something, and and the last one just took forever because um, I couldn't. You were a swimmer, yeah, but till, till awesome. about the age of fifteen. Um, awesome. The, the best I ever did was sort of tenth and or no eighth in the age group, but um, it was awesome. Only eight lane pool and. and and we had a couple of internationals, so that was that was fine. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, yes. yeah, swimming's great practice for that. Yeah, and and, and that that black line fever it, it never goes away. I've, I've jumped back in the pool every now and again, and it takes takes a, a you know you talk about meditation, trying yeah. to trying to keep your mind not occupied or or what, but keep keep going. When you're one in pain and two, you're just looking at a black line. Um, I love that black line fever. I, that's uh, that is so true. That's exactly what that is. I can't believe I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's that's what we call it when 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 you can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but I I think I agree. I I think endurance sports are a are. Uh, I I. I th- I mean, I think that this is part of what's changed that concept of self for me is that, uh, 
you know, when you truly understand something, you can, you can make comparisons to it in different parts of your life through different experiences. And, and when and endurance sports is absolutely uh, an area to practice self-awareness and mindfulness, right? You're like, because when you're, when this pain, pain is in a, can be an emotion, right? Like there's emotions that you're going through as you're out on the, now I trail run a lot and, and, uh, not so much the past 10 weeks because I, I broke my, my toe, but, but I, uh, but you, you talk in your head, right? Like you, you, you see this, like you have this, these emotions and these feelings and then the course is changing. And there's this, uh, a lot of the times I like to picture the, the course that I'm on as if it's life, right? And you never know if life is going to be a headwind or a tailwind or an uphill or a downhill. Mm -hmm. And my relationship with the, the course am I suffering right now or am I enjoying this pain? And like, and right. And like, is that, and then, but then you also have to mitigate your physical and energy, right? Because your physical energy affects your mood. Right. And so when you, you learn that out on a four hour trail run, uh, but then you bring it into your life. And I think there's this, like your, your body is like, and your mind is like a battery. And if you're, uh, if you're tired, if you're highly caffeinated, if you're if you're taking uh, antidepressants and like and you know it's the modern world now, and who knows what people are putting in their bodies and like it, and and then you're waking up in the morning and you're picking up that freaking cell phone and you're by the time you get to eleven o'clock you haven't really been in your body at all, mm. right? You're just uh, in my mind you're kind of like letting the course dictate you right you're just bouncing through life just just getting beaten up and uh and and so being an endurance runner i think that's probably why i love doing it today is it's just a it it can be like a little bit it can be an out of body experience to just go for an awesome trail run and get your body to the shape that you can you can do it yeah Yeah. Um, it's it's starting starting to enter my um Sphere of influence, I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I've, I've interviewed Zach Bitter, who's just crazy. And, yeah, um, I saw that one on your list. Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet. He's 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 a fun dude. And then, of course, I'm being a keen hunter. I follow Cameron Haynes, and and he's just crazy. <laughs> and then, of course, David Goggins is is popularizing it. And and us in New Zealand, we've had um, a trail runner. Who, who's done Moab, I think, four or five times, um, Lisa Tamati, and she's run the length of the country, and she's wow. hugely passionate about, about wellness and, and mental mental stability because, again, when you're out there in the middle of the desert, you're, you're trying to balance hydration with electrolytes and energy mm-hmm. and stuff, uh, your mind plays tricks with you. I think that's, that's probably the, the attraction and and. Yeah, where, where I'm from down south, there's a there's a race called the Kepler Challenge, which is um, I think about 62 k's up up and back. Okay. And, oh, awesome! And and the guys just do it so fast. And usually, and the weirdest thing is often they're just a bunch of farmers that have come off the hill and, and run this mountain. And, just, and I remember going to cross country when I was younger, and, and always the farm kids were just like cane off. He's like, what are, what are, what's up with these guys? <laughs> uh, yeah, the farm kids. What are they feeding them? Yeah. <laughs> It's funny. That's the same way it was in cycling. You'd be in a bike race in, in Northern Europe and it'd be a bunch of 
kids off a farm that were working and they're just power. They're just engines. Like where, where is this kid come from out of nowhere? But I, yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, it's cool to talk about running. I didn't think I'd get into that here, but it's a big, uh, it's a big influence on my, on, I think about it a lot and I, and I, um, it, I, I don't think you can talk about emotions without talking about movement because it, uh, there's just a body mind connection. Right. And if you're, if you're gonna, uh, if I'm in a bad, if I'm in a bad mood, I think the level where I'm at with my self-awareness at this point is it's great to be able to notice that. Right. And to just be like, Oh, I, I'm in a bad mood. Right. I'm not just going to like, like, and Oh, why let's do a status update. Oh, you haven't, uh, you, you, you haven't moved in three days and you haven't done like a good run and, uh, you're, you're, you're hangry and, and you haven't eaten anything. Uh, maybe I shouldn't respond to this emotion the way I'm being, maybe be a little bit easier on myself, maybe, uh, stop beating myself up in my head. Uh, give my partner permission to be a, a child too and like not add into that. Right. And then just like, it's time to go for a run. And the, and I know those days where I'm just like, nothing in my head wants to be doing this, but by the time I'm finished with the run and drink a, a full Nalgene of water, uh, you're in a much, I'm in a much better state to, well, probably just let go of half of all that, the crap, right. Not respond to it at all. Yeah, I think uh, you, you brought up a good point there, being easy on yourself. Um, I know that I have, uh, I think Mike put it up the other day about breathing. Mm. And he was like, when do you breathe? And, and, and even you said before, yeah. you know, have a couple of breaths and I took a deep breath. I was like, holy cow, I've been breathing in my chest. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and a perfect day is getting up doing Wim Hof, which is you know, amazing breath, and then oh, a little awesome. bit of little bit of movement. Um, I often have the morning to myself, um, make coffee, make breakfast, uh, prepare that, that for for my partner as well. Um, and if the timing's right, I'll, I'll get to see my daughter before I go to work, and and then to journal, and then you know those those down points between patients take a couple of breaths, and then in the evening just do a quick flow flow of yoga and it's, it's quite funny to see mimicry in my daughter she started doing some of the poses as well at 80 months old it's hilarious but you know he was asking about breath and and you know that would be the that would be the perfect day to have these start finish and and little checkpoints in the middle of, of, of breath um but then being easy on yourself like i said it's been a stressful week and trying to get up in the morning uh yeah hit this hit the snooze and i noticed the other day I had got up and I looked at looked back at my phone and Siri was suggesting that I reset my alarm for half an hour later and I was like, Hello <laughs> <laughs> She knows, she knows. <laughs> that this phone is scary. It knows that, hey, you've been having a tough time lately and, and ignoring your your wake up and, and go for the half an hour alarm. I was like, that's that's yeah. rough. I've obviously been doing that. But then it's like like I say you can feel guilty about not doing those things that you know you should do. Well, then you can look back and go, well, why, why is it that I, that I have been sleeping and it's because I'm tired. I haven't been sleeping well and sleep's right. so important. And then you can kind of go release that feeling of, of guilt and lack of movement. And you go, well, what am I doing right now? Hey, I can hmm. do, a, do a little movement, do a little shimmy, have a few breaths in, 
move on, let, let it go. Like you said, it's awesome. Right. Yeah. I mean, as you, as you said that, uh, I'm just riffing here. So that you let me know if I go off on a tangent too much, cause I'm enjoying this conversation. But, uh, as you said, the breath, you even mentioned it. I, I just, I'm I, the table I'm sitting at is to reach the microphone. I think it's a little, I have to hunch over. Right. And I realized I'm, I'm hunching over myself. I'm like tight. And when you mentioned the breath, I just, Mm. right and was able to relax a little bit but uh something you mentioned there for me this is this is to me this is almost like the the challenge of this game of life is uh is like no hearing you talk about how you've had this stressful week uh and things are happening in your life and then you've got like this recording with me and uh you don't know me yet Right. And like, I don't know you and, and right. We're coming in here. Who knows who this guy's going to be or <laughs> connect on this stuff. Right. And so there's that happening. And then, but then there's also in my mind, I don't know if this happens to you, but like there's where there's my aspirations. There's like my goals or my vision of myself and my partner and where we want to be. And it's so easy to get, uh, to get, it, there's almost like two different choices in here of like, for me, Anger uh, and uh, rigidity and control and intenseness is the emotion that I used as a young man to focus and get my crap done, mm. right? To get my shit done, right? And I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, Absolutely. but and <laughs> highly, highly ADD young man, right? Uh, very high energy, uh, lots of, you know, like had to ride my bike for three hours a day just to be baseline. And, and, uh, and that I didn't know as a young man that I was angry, but I was angry, right? And I, I was using that to get, and, and that anger became a tool that helped me focus and overcome my ADD and achieve goals and to make money. And then that turned into a job of sales, which not only gave me money, but also gave me respect from other got men because I was making money. And I thought that was a big deal. I thought that was something I wanted. And then seven years later in my late 20s, I realized I actually don't give a crap about this. I don't want to be like any of these people. And, um, and now, I, but I come back to today and I feel like just every day, every week, every three to five days, I feel like there's this energy awareness curve where I get tired, I see where I want to be, but I also have to give myself permission to be nice to myself mm. and, um, and to realize that like my dreams and my uh my visions of what success are 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 uh to not to almost i like to say to to be happy now right like there's a possible it's possible to get for me to to almost replace my visions of where i want to be and to have this uh it's almost like chasing happiness and and then being totally miserable right on your way to trying to be happy right and it's like the path to trying to chase happiness can be a miserable path. Why would you want to do that? And so I am constantly playing with this, this game of, uh, of, of having these goals and ambitions and aspirations, not being controlled by them, but appreciating them, being clear about them. And then at the same time, uh, being in flow with where I am now, being happy now, being, being content. And in that contentment, uh, 
growing from there, right? Like, like going after my goals and choosing to use anger when I want to, to focus me, right? Like set a 30 day challenge to like do a hundred pushups every day kind of thing, right? That kind of thing. But I'm implementing that raw emotion in my life intentionally right? versus, uh, I mean, my work statement uh, about six months ago, my men's group was bring the light to my work. Right. And for me, that was about adopting what I kind of that issue that you're talking about right here. Right. Like just and it happens every week. And one of the things that makes me frustrated about like the masculine role models, especially in the podcasting business success manosphere, is this attitude of hustle. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, I'm going to like, go, 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 like kill, 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 like, like make deals, make money, focus, rah, be tense. And the whole, the whole thing is like, God, this is your life. Like, like, like that, why? Right. So, like, all right. So that, that's my rant. No, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> um, I've been hearing a lot about like, how do we, how do we replace religion or, or whatever? And, you know, speaking of one of the manosphere success people, Jocko Willink, you know, there's a lot to take away from Jocko, but then you don't have to get up at 4.30 a.m. and thrash yourself and own a home gym. <laughs> yeah. um, but that is that you, and I think you might have even been talking with Jordan Peterson about this, but he, they were saying, no, it wasn't that. It was him talking to Peter Atia, who's, again, another really disciplined, regimented, you know, he's a, Doctor yeah. engineer, he's got all the type A's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and they were, they were talking about how the the military not only gives you tools, um, but it gives it gives you a policy and a framework to so that you can respond to things. And yeah. I've I've heard it come up a lot lately about the fact that religion gave us the rules to just do stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and and um, well, played a role for sure. Yeah, and, and and I think I've I've got got something that I, I even now and again I'll, I'll flick back to these rules. It's like it's called the it's not even real. It's called the Goldman Sachs unofficial guide to being a man. And oh. and, and, and I don't know who wrote it, but I've, I've talked about it before. I think, but look it up. It's quite cool. I will. I will. Yeah, there's some good good ones in there, um, and one of them is you know do stuff in your twenties and thirties, you know, that might mm. sacrifice things in your seventies and eighties, because you said you've got to, you've got to be happy right now. And, and then you set up the game and it's something that I'm, I want to explore a little bit is game theory. And, and mm -hmm. even Alec, my partner, Alex and I were talking about it the other day that the way the world right now is gamed towards, as you said, get money, get respect, and then live your life. And it's like, for what, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've got, you've got to be happy right now. And so being aware of the game is, is tough because she's, yeah, this, that's why it was. It was. She's trying to figure out how to go back to work and um, mm. so that she can do things. And it's this, this balance of, you know, do I still be a mum or being a mum's mm. hard, being a mum's tiring, you know, and, and, going back to those what-do-you-do questions, well, I'm a mum, and, and, and for some reason in this world, um, and, and that goes back to this, this, you know, the thing that's getting criticised quite a lot now, the manism, or is that being a mum is sort of 
insignificant when it's not. It's it's amazing. Right. It's how we all, all get here and carry on and and, and are developed. How, how how is gaming sort of you know not not playing on, on a computer, but gaming the, the way the world is shaped? How's that sort of influenced your thoughts? And of course, sales is gaming. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I think the. I mean, back, back to gaming, but also the, the, the role of religion, right? I think there's been some, uh, some of the neatest. I don't, one of the things I, I want to be aware of in my life is I don't want to throw out everything just because I don't understand it, right? Yeah. And I might have like a certain relationship with uh, the idea of religion uh, from my past perspective or my, my experience in my family with whatever, with religious experiences. But I think that it did provide, and it still does provide a set of best practices mm. and it was created by humans. Right. And there is, and I think one of my things that I'm most excited about over the past five years has been uh, like spirituality without religion and learning about the, concept of self and the concept of who am I in this in this in oblivion and then how much we need as humans we need these uh, we, we need this in order to conceptualize and to to engage and connect with our world uh, but then also uh, we need rules to, to not be assholes to each other right yeah. like in, in certain religions that were around before there were uh, before there were prisons were also that religion provided the rules and structures for banking. They provided the st stuff for the judicial system. Right. And then as we've, as a society, as we have uh, matured and we've leveled up, the newer religions have not needed to hold that role in society. So they become more and more spiritual. And I thought that as I've discovered that and become aware of that, I, it's allowed me to not, uh, throw out religious s values and to really at look at them and try to pick from different ones and my friends that have different relationships with the religion uh, to really learn about their beliefs and, and their systems to kind of uh, mold my own ideas of, of values in the world, right? Uh, but I'm definitely going to look up the uh, Goldman Sachs Guide to Be a Man because yeah, that's uh, unofficial. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for the unofficial guide. I wonder if it comes with a gold watch. Uh, <laughs> that's the premium version. No, there, there, there's. Uh, I think I think the one on gold watches, and it might also be on maybe it's sunglasses. Is is um, you know not not needed for you anymore. As soon as you got a fiance, but it's it's to do with the fact that it's, <laughs> it's you know it, it is it is it is like good and bad at the same time. It's like 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 I say, don't don't throw out everything. Don't take in everything. There's there's some good ones and bad ones and different things yeah. times in your life. And I think the last one, not to ruin it, but it is about. Uh, you know, following rules um, for fools or something like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, following rules is for fools. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I like I. I mean, I, my relationship with rules, and I, that's another area that I think every man and and being in men's groups has helped me uh, realize and 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 accept about myself is that if I feel out of control, like if I. Uh, if I am 
dealing with ambiguity or uh, or unknowing of of what is happening in a situation, I discovered that I would uh, become tense in order to find things I could control, and it, and I've been enjoying playing with that awareness to be more comfortable being uncomfortable and just relax, just letting, not needing uh, that security, right? Like uh, one of the things I learned early on, one of the phrases I picked up was uh, uh, the, the need for security can be an addiction that leads to insecurity, right? And, and that, that really stuck with me uh, in, as I, came to the men's group week in and week out and, and talked through challenges I was having in a business situation at the time and realizing that like, you know what, like a lot of my tension is coming from trying to control the outcome in this situation. And, and I need, and I don't think I would have discovered that and embodied that and really felt that if I didn't have a group of guys to meet with every week for six months, right? And now I cannot imagine being as tense as that guy was. Uh, it, you know, he was, uh, he was very stressed out and I, I'm, I'm not anymore. So. Mate, uh, I think that's uh, being highlighted in this conversation. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you, you go, go back to the, the religion thing and the, you know, the upbringing, um, you know, some, somewhere here, Catholic upbringing of regimented get up on Sunday morning and put on your best clothes and go to church and sit there and stand up and sit down and kneel down and stand up again. Um, yeah. And I guess that's that uh, visceral and somatic reaction you get to anybody saying, I'm going to church. And you're like, whoa, what would you do? <laughs> right. <laughs> but actually, that's your, yeah, go back, that's, that's your response. Some of that for a moment, and then, like I say, explore back to that question: what what's you know bringing you passion? What's exciting you about this? You know, what, what are you get? What are you getting out of it? Because your your own interpretation of things, you know, whilst that's not wrong either, them mm-hmm. finding a passion and meaning in something is also not wrong. You know? and, yeah, and that's like you said, this you know, and it's tough to to deal with spirituality when you've been in a regimented system for yeah. a good part of your life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think something that I would, as my, my perspective on religion would be that I, I don't have a problem or an issue with religion. I have a, I am, uh, I am scared of dogma. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, the any time you introduce, if we think about religion like college, uh, and then you go to college, and when you make the purchase decision to go to college, if you give up your responsibility to college to give you what you want when you get out the other end, uh, I think that is my issue with religion is, a, is if you are removing your responsibility and just adopting a bunch of practices that you haven't analyzed and you're, you're just taking out your sense of self and responsibility and replacing it with dogma. And I think that that was my concept or relationship with religion. But now, now that I uh, have a, a stronger sense of self, 
and I realize I don't know what I don't know and that this stuff has helped people and it does help humans and spirituality and religion are totally different things and decoupled. I'm like, tell me more, right? Like I want to, I'm curious as to what, uh, cause some of the, the best thinkers, uh, that I've listened to on podcasts are, are, are very spiritual people or, or they, or they, or they're, uh, um, they're uh, researchers of religion, right? Like they, they really know what they're talking about. And I'm like, that's, that's some cool stuff. There's a thread here between all of these things. They might have different labels, but they, they all hit a common human need. Mm. So. And it might, might be going back to that. Excuse me. Might be going back to that. You've, you've got to make it through your twenties to then realize the importance of history and, and where mm-hmm. ideas come from. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I totally agree about like do things in your twenties that your 70 year old self wouldn't, uh, I feel incredibly lucky to have raced bikes and to have taken the path less traveled and to have quit college because quitting college and not, not going to school put me in a position where I had to, I had to do what was best. I had to figure my, my crap out. I had to figure myself out and uh, create that scaffolding myself. And I noticed when my friends and counterparts had graduated college, I didn't have that fall from grace. I, I went straight from cycling to, to sports and to uh, software sales because it was just replacing my you know, goal-oriented nature for a new, a new set of routines. And it's just like, and I got a job very quickly and like, and like I never worried about resumes or trying to fit in I just filled that that need and so uh, but I do wish that I went to school for psychology because at this point now I, w- I would love to have that base <laughs> no, that, yeah. conversations like this yeah it, it's good and um, that going back to that director he was part of optometry when it was psychology and, and he firmly oh, believes cool. that that's the place that it fits in because um, yeah we we do have to unpack a lot, and I think that's why I love love these conversations because it, it it's a it's a divergent uh, on on the same thing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And interesting, you said about the the purchase decision to go to college, and um, yeah, Astrid lines are nowhere near as bad as as what they are over there. I think I was ninety six k when I, when I finished, and, and you know I'm probably about halfway halfway through it, but. Yeah. You know, it it is a purchase decision, and it, I I wrote about it on my blog that fall from grace of um, a regimented system of of marks and worth um, and input and output to right do the do the thing. No one's marking you anymore. No one, you know, I'm the practitioner. I'm I'm the one that's that's doing it. You know, I I, I have some directors, but they they're also practicing themselves and it's this weird conundrum of now I, I do the thing I'm not defined by uh, the mark I yeah. get um, some people will love me some people will think I'm hopeless others yeah. will as I said come back come back annoyed at the result <laughs> yeah yeah what, what where, where did you find that the team aspect again um, in, in sales oh I mean yeah software sales was built for someone like me uh, <laughs> at that age. I, I often look back at it and think of it as like the, the world of tech was just 
like stealing my energy. I, I mean, I am, I'm super thankful for the experience and for the money uh, that I made to allow me to take to quit so that I could find, get myself here. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, but that was, um, I, I mean, it was the team aspect was awesome. I am, but it was also the thing that led to my greatest, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the lowest point in my life when I left sales the year after and realized that I, uh, my entire identity, my was wrapped around in ego. And I didn't, you could have said the word ego to me back then. And I did not have a mental, I did not have a concept of, of what this thing was. Uh, but I remember going to my first men's retreat and, uh, um, sitting around this, and this was before I was, went to an everyman retreat. This was with Mike and I, and we organized this men's retreat. And all of a sudden, I realized on the list of guys that signed up to come that like five guys that were from my professional world, who I, who I thought of as these tough, aggressive, like just, just uh, I had, I basically only knew them for what they did and the t-shirt they wore and the company they were at and the amount of money that I think they, I thought that they made. And, and then I find out they're coming to this men's retreat and I, all of a sudden I got really scared because it was like, are they going to, are, are they going to see me? Are they, is this going to be the kind of thing that they, that they want? Like, this is a very, in my mind back then, very woo woo. And then we get into the first night of the retreat and the, few of the guys, the guys, we all connected on our way up and, and just like, Oh, cool. I'm really happy you're coming, but I'm also nervous in my mind. And we sit down to do this shrine and we all had to bring an item that represented our past. And every one of us brought a t-shirt from a company that we had worked for that had failed or been sold or had something that, and it was creepy to see how these guys from my walk of life, uh, specifically working in tech, living in San Francisco, without being asked, they chose to bring t-shirts that represented the companies because they are, and it just was this, this mind blowing experience for me to be like, Oh my gosh, I am not, I am, I'm at going through the same thing as these guys that my, I wrap my entire identity and my, from 22 to 28 around uh, the success of of being in a startup billionaire billion dollar unicorn company or something, and and right like and this is just some tech company, right? But yet when something happened in that and I left that, that was that rocked my world, right? Mm-hmm. And it rocked my entire world. And now uh, I'm so much stronger and more flexible because I've I'm not as uh, it's a much more integrated way of sense of self right? That, uh, yeah, I'm a men's coach, but I'm also a podcaster and I'm also a, a, a fiance and a best friend with my business partner. And I love organizing men's groups and, uh, I trail run, right? I'm not, it's not this, it, I have trouble saying what answering, what do you do? Right. And I like that. I like that, that status. It's good, man. I, I, I think we need to move away from that question because yeah, even how is your mind? Yeah. That's mine. That's cool. That's cool. How's your, how's your mind been? <laughs> that, that obviously will take a couple of seconds to get a response out of no doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. I love it, man. Try it out. And the next time we chat, we can uh, check in on how it goes. I've, I, I've 
been doing it quite often and uh, it always gets a great response and then usually a really, uh, a pretty real answer, right? And then you get to talk about all this stuff that we talked about today. I need a chicken with, with um, I checked in with one of my friends last week and I need a chicken with an, another, um, you know, I'll do that today or tomorrow on the phone. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, think that's going to be what I ask him. How's your mind? That's, that's fantastic. How's your, how's your mind been? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you spoke about, uh, we spoke about team and now I want to talk about your, your team and you mentioned Mike. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and he, here's a podcast with Dan that stood out. Uh, that that is a, a powerful one. I think it's about twenty four or something on every man. Um, yeah, what a, what a dude! And he had an awesome post the other day of you two sitting on a, on a ledge, and he spoke about love between men. Um, oh, that's what, awesome! What's it like um, working with someone who's? Well, he he's been through a lot, but man, you, you guys are awesome. What, what's that like? <laughs> oh, it's everything. It's. Uh... It's rad. I, I just, I just turned on my, I just turned on my phone off airplane mode to go try to find that post. And I'm going to put that away now, but, uh, he, uh, I mean, Mike, so as we speak, Mike is getting on a plane to move to Mexico, uh, and, uh, with him and his, his husband are moving to Mexico. And, and I mean, this is my business partner and we were up late last night together for, to say goodbye with my fiance and, and, our friend Jenny and everybody and we're just sitting there and like he and I are, uh, it's, it's, uh, I mean, we are so, we are such lucky dudes. Like we do work. We get to work on, uh, we are helping men become more capable of expressing their full emotional spectrum. And at the same time we are working together as as best friends and also running a business and the job of running a business is a emotional endeavor and uh and i think and it's just a challenge and a joy and uh and uh and it's super cool to to partner up with other people and then to appreciate him uh, and how we kind of just dance in the moment with what we're doing. And, uh, and we, it was like a three year journey to us working together a hundred full, full and a hundred percent. And we had worked on projects together and, and, uh, and done put courses together, together. We did a retreat together. We, uh, went to the Philippines together to do some, some workshops for stuff. And like, we just had all of these opportunities to try out working together uh, but I think what's neat is that neither one of us came that way. We we just we're really lucky that we do this work. So this makes us best, both better and more capable business partners. And um, and uh, and Mike is just. I come at this stuff from. I used to come at this stuff from a very understanding perspective. I was trying to understand stuff a lot. And Mike, I feel like came at this from a authenticity and uh, a knowingness perspective, the ability to just sit in silence. Uh, and uh, I think it's great. I mean, he's taught me a lot about just slowing down and being in the moment. Was it, was it Mike that was saying about how um, as, as a gay man, he, get, he gets the advantage because he's already come out. Whereas um, uh-huh. uh, 
I, I've said that before. I almost didn't say it. Yeah. yeah heterosexual men need to come out of, of their emotional closets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've told him, uh, you know, he, he said something really, really nice to me about last night before he left. And, and, uh, he, uh, he said something about like, you're, you're the reason we are where we are, uh, in, in the business. And my first reaction was to say, no, 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 no. But, <laughs> but like, no. And, but then I realized that, you know, my comment to him in in the past before him saying that he didn't want me to say anything back, but my perspective of him is that his life and his choices have put him in a position to understand this spectrum of humans that, and I think there's lots of people like this. It's, but he, I mean, we're all unique and is his uh, being a gay man and coming out and also doing this work. Uh, sexuality is a far different thing than uh, your emotions, right? And your gender. But I think for men, he is like, he has, he sits in this very special space of being able to float within feminine and masculine energy and to be non, uh, uh, to be, to help you feel comfortable, uh, no matter how, like if you're coming in from a highly masculine perspective or a highly feminine, if you identify as male, he's with you, right? Like, and he can float in that area and identify with it through felt experience. Right. And I think, you know, someone like myself who is, who is also identifies as male, but I came at it with a, uh, like a more masculine, like a mat primary masculine perspective. I've, I'm always, I can just tell like he's, he's got this like special gift, hmm. right. And, and working together and doing retreats, like I do think this stuff is learnable, but he is, uh, uh, he's a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Magician wizard. Yeah. 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 Cool, yeah. mate. How long have we been yarning for? We booked yeah. An hour. We've been like, yeah, yeah. We've got our 24. <laughs> yeah, I think we're uh, I think we're at the end. So, yeah. Yeah. Where, where do people find you, Mike, and Unshakable Man? <laughs> yeah, so just head over to unshakableman.me if uh, if you are uh, if you are a man who's in his 30s, 27 to 37, it tends to be our range, and you are wondering like, who am I? Uh, how do it, you've been living your life working for everyone else trying to trying to uh achieve success and then one of the guys in our group has said uh uh you know I'm the captain of my ship and I never get off the ship everyone else gets on and gets off but I never do uh we have a 8 week uh milestone program to just figure out who you are as a man and put you off on a course to go uh work on yourself and we've integrated it fully with every man we we are huge supporters, huge supporters of the Everyman community. And, uh, and I am, uh, I'm nudging and pushing every guy that we work with to just go to an Everyman retreat, find an Everyman group in their community and, uh, and just create this, this man, this uh, supportive uh, local community of brothers in their community to uh, do the work. Nice, man. Create that tribe. So what would, yeah. you, like to, what would you like to leave us with? Um, yeah, Chris, it could be a question, thought, way you live your life. Go for mm. it. <clears throat> uh, I'll leave you, I'll leave you with this one. Uh, this is, uh, 
this was a big one for me in my relationship. Uh, love, desire, needs, and attraction are different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you start to look at the fact that if you look at desire is the, is the choice to be unhappy until you have what you want. Mm-hmm. And if love is not an emotion, love is a, an element. It's a thing that, uh, that lasts, that's there. Even when you don't know it's there, it's there. Uh, and if love is not an emotion, you're capable of being, having every emotion and still being in love with your partner, right? So you can be in full rage and still have love. And then your needs are just the things that you need, right? Like the concrete things that you need in your life. And you don't want to get all of your needs from your partner because if you get all of your needs from your partner and they're not there to support you, then you're not getting any of your needs. So that's a cool thing. And then attraction comes from, uh, tends to come from where you, your upbringing. And when I started exploring the difference between love, desire, needs, and attraction, it, it unlocked my relationship with myself and with my partner. And I, it just brought me to another, a more nuanced level of uh, thinking. So I'll, I'll drop that one on you for another time. Beautiful. And is that on a doodle as well? It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll have to scroll through your Instagram page and, and find it. That's looking awesome, better. man. Thank you so much for this time. This has been really special. And uh, when you're in San Francisco, please come over. Yeah. And There's thanks for reaching out. This was, this was fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll have to do the same with Mike shortly. <laughs> uh-huh. Have a great day. Thank you. Gee whiz, talk about a bit of a mind explosion. My massage, that's fantastic. Um, it's so fun when you're doing a podcast and then all of a sudden you check the time and you go, holy heck, we've been uh, riffing away. And uh, not that we both really had any time constraints and I know we, we've done plenty of longer podcasts here, but it's a lot to take on board when, especially has been, we're not too good at finding <laughs> how to express ourselves. So that's why I think it's really awesome about the sort of work that uh, Chris and the guys at Everyman are doing is they're sort of giving vocabulary to things that we, you know, can't really express. Love thought he finished on there, um, desire, love, needs, and attraction. Like, wow, what a really well, mind-opening, paradigm-shifting um, concept that is. Just like, you know, the um, thoughts, behaviours, um, emotions sort of stuff that's it's just simple and allows you to stop those negative feedbacks um those things that just catastrophize what's going on it, it's it's simple uh, it's so good and i guess that's why it's so relatable for for us guys because we need things to be simple we need we need to slow down we need to think we need to acknowledge what's going on and um yeah I'm, I'm by no means good at this stuff. <laughs> That's why I love having these conversations with people like Chris, people like Lucas. Um, we'd love to get Dan Doty on here sometime, but he's busy. Um, and we'll be sure to, I'll be sure to talk to Mike Sagan because he's another legend that's doing wonderful things. Um, yeah, so follow the Unshakable Man, follow Chris, follow Mike, follow every man. Um, you'll get a lot out of it. As I said, every man's part of the inspiration for this podcast, so it's cool to bring in conversations like this every now and again. Um, not all super masculine hunting stuff, and I love our hunting chats because we uh, tend to go a bit deeper and into the into the story and the feeling of, of what it means and 
and the motivations you know often come into their health sphere that I talked about a lot on here um, got a few things checked up to, to talk about around health and nutrition and, and hunting so yeah that's it's kind of the direction that that things are going to take with this podcast and well that's what's where it's taking me at the moment um, and yeah just really long-form conversations having a talk which I'm hopeless at oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm hopeless at talking um, my vocabulary for talking is improving from doing this but man if you, you try ask me how I am I'll often tell you I'm good <laughs> shocking uh, but I'm learning work in progress anyway I bring you the podcast with Waikito, W-A-I-K-E-T-0 dot com. As I've said, that's the perfect place to go to if you're in US, Canada, Australia or East Asia because it's so easy. You just order from the website, choose your flavor, choose what you want to do, whether it's exogenous ketones, ready to drink cans, um, keto broth, keto cream, keto teas or the 60-hour, geez, stumbling my tongue there, 60-hour reboot which is a wicked way to get started on doing extended fasts. They come out once a month. Awesome little kit. Um, protein, keto protein, that's another thing you can get on the website. Um, two ketones a day, two broths a day, and a couple of teas just to keep you distracted while you don't eat for 60 hours. Um, also, uh, there is a little bit of, oh, I should really know what it's called. It's, it's a pill to help your DNA regenerate better. Yeah, I need to look into that. Sorry. But yeah, go to the website. It's all there. If you're in New Zealand, time's running out before the price goes up due to um, New Zealand Post putting GST on every order that comes through U-Shop. Fair enough, I guess. Um, but that means that the price is going to go up 15%. So if you want to get in before December... Contact me either at the Stag Raw on Instagram or just in the Waikito Facebook page. That's spelled W-A-I-K-E-T-O. And all the episodes for the podcast are on those two channels as well. So another good way to send us some feedback, check out the other episodes, interact. Love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. We'll be bringing you another episode on Friday. That's with Kip Mulligan from Modern Pirates. Super exciting chat, that one. And yeah, Keep this thing rolling. Thanks for listening.